Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. A couple falls ago, um, we were at a wedding where we met Ian, her husband, and so it's my privilege to introduce Janine and Ian Rodriguez Everard. <laughs> Thank you. It is such a joy to be with you this morning. I've had we've had the privilege of ministering in the Vine Life School all week. And um, we did a Dreams in the Language of God seminar this weekend, and we feel really filled and refreshed and just overjoyed at what God is doing with you guys here. So thank you for welcoming us this morning. Father, I thank you so much for your presence that has been here with us all morning long. And um, I want to thank you especially just for leading us in worship and for reminding us that we belong to you. And for reminding us that it's perfect love that casts out all fear. And you are the one who is perfect love. And so I ask for your perfect love. You who are perfect love, come even more. Abide with us here this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, the word that I believe um, God wanted me to share with you this morning is about what the next season for the church at large um, is going to look like, what God's part of what I believe it's going to look like, part of what I believe is what God's heart is for the next season for the big church, not just fine life, but the church around the world. And in order to do that, I felt like God just wanted me to briefly review where the church has been. Um, so I'm going to do that briefly. At the turn of the, not this last century, but the century before, there was a movement called the Great Awakening. Loads of people were becoming aware of who Jesus is, lots of salvations. It was an unprecedented outpouring of the Holy Spirit that drew people to Jesus. And following that, there was an incredible move of God in Azusa Street that actually touched the Welsh revival as well. There was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was um, renewed to the church in its understanding. And what was incredible about that particular move is that um, even though it was happening in church, people would sense the presence of God that was happening in these meetings, and they couldn't explain it, but they would turn their cars and they would drive in. These are unsaved people who were drawn by the presence of God and would find themselves in these meetings just repenting and thanking God for Jesus, and they were coming to know him. And then when we moved into the 1940s and 50s, there was this beautiful restoration of healings and miracles. And there were really large gatherings where people were coming up out of their wheelchairs, and people were getting supernaturally healed, and and ministers were ministering in the presence of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, and people were getting saved as they also were receiving healing. And then in the 1970s, 
We had the Jesus movement, and I know many of you came to know the Lord during that time. And um, it was amazing because the, the gospel was being preached in all over. It wasn't just in church. Lots of people, if, in fact, if you remember, there was a movement in California. People would just get saved on the beach, and some guy who had just known Jesus would stand up and talk about Jesus, and all these people would get baptized in the ocean that day. And there was just this incredible move of people knowing Jesus And in the 1980s, there was a restoration of the gifts of the Spirit. And in particular, there was a lot of understanding released about the prophetic, which had been ignored by the church for a long time. And so if you catch this, there's lots of revelation about Jesus, lots of revelation about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But we know we have a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. But in this move in the 1980s, um, there was a man by the name of John Wimber who recognized, gosh, this, this, this power that's coming, this revelation that's coming about prophecy, it's not just meant for the church, it's also meant for outside the church. But unfortunately, the church didn't catch that. For the most part, that move stayed within the four walls of the church. Now we move to the 1990s, and there's a great outpouring of Father's love. And what was incredible about that decade is that people came into the understanding that not only do we have the gift of Jesus, who is our Savior and Lord, that not only that we have the gift who is the Holy Spirit, who is our counselor, who is our friend, who is our nurturer, who is our comforter, who empowers us, but we also have a Father who loves us, who accepts us, who believes in us, who wants us, who who desires us, who has a plan and a purpose for us. What happened in that move is a lot of inner healing and a lot of personal renewal, and it was a beautiful, beautiful move of God. In the early part then of this century, 2000, up until about now, there's been a lot of focus on the kingdom of heaven, realizing that what the church has been preaching has mostly been the gospel of salvation, not the gospel of the kingdom. And there's been a really wonderful move where we've talked about, gosh, you know what, we're not just meant to work in healing and miracles and the things of of the kingdom of heaven in church, but we're also meant to do it out there. And it's been incredible. And I've been very grateful that finally it seems like they're, they're, the church is getting an idea for, wow, we really can go do the stuff. And it's wonderful. And the place that I believe that God is bringing us to next is that instead of focusing on doing all those things, they will happen, but they will happen because we are standing in our identity as his sons and daughters. And in our identity as his sons and daughters, those things flow. So we're going to shift from doing to being. And as we shift from doing to being, and as we come to that place of really knowing who we are as sons and daughters, not only are we going to reveal Jesus, not only are we going to reveal Holy Spirit, but we are going to release Father God. We are going to speak to the world that there is a Father in heaven who loves them with an unprecedented love and who wants them for himself. That's a place I believe he desires to bring the church so that we're no longer preaching just Jesus, Holy Spirit, but we're really speaking, releasing the Trinitarian theology that we all believe, (laughs) which is about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the place that I believe God is bringing us to 
is releasing his love as Father God for his sons and daughters so that as we are, as we live, we move in what he asks us to do, not out of obligation, not because it's what we're supposed to do, not because it's what the hot thing is or the in thing in church is, not because we went to a conference and got a momentary stirring up that eventually fades away, but because the intimacy of our relationship with Father God as his sons and daughters fills us with his spirit, saturates us with his love, assures us of our complete acceptance in him, validates us in the depths of our being, of our total worthiness that is found in him, sustains us with his peace, inspires us to love, infuses us with confidence, empowers us with boldness to speak what we hear him saying and to do what we see him doing, gives us grace to leave the outcome of any ministry encounter up to him and him alone, enables us to do all this from a place of rest with love in our heart for whomever we have the honor to minister to. And as we minister from this place, we will bear the likeness of our Father, the one who is perfect love. And we will bear him not just as perfect love to our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we will bear that to a world who desperately needs to know this kind of love. And as we spend time with him, we learn what he's really like. The place that he's going to draw us to, that intimate place, really comes from just being, being with dad, hanging out with dad, letting him love on us, letting him show us who we really are, letting him show us who he really is. And as that happens, we become aware of his nature, of his character, of his ways, of who he really, really is. And we come to really know him, not just know about him. And as that happens, as we spend time with him and as we allow his spirit to saturate our spirits and as he fills us with his love, what happens is we become familiar, not just with his ways, with his characters, with his nature, but we realize that all those things reflect his names. And as we become familiar with those names, all of a sudden we, we realize as we are walking out on our day-to-day lives, we're releasing those names to the world. <laughs> They start manifesting themselves through our lives because we become who we spend time with. We're transformed from glory to glory to glory as we meet with the one who is perfect love. And I just want to share with you just a couple of stories that um, God has has blessed me to be a part of um, that just highlight what it means to bear his name. So there are many, many names for God in the scriptures, many One of them is that he is eternal light, and he is the eternal light that dispels all darkness, all darkness. And I love that verse. In Isaiah 63, it says, a Gentile shall come to your light. Well, they're not coming to who we are. They're coming to the one who is inside of us. In Matthew 5, verse 14, it says, you are the light of your world. Let your light shine before men that they may praise your Father in heaven. 
And in John 1, 9, we're told that Jesus is the true light who gives light to every man. So we have this incredible gift of the God who is eternal light when we are born again, coming to live inside of us. And as we become familiar with who he is as light, we find ourselves dispelling darkness because his light is released and radiated from our lives. I was at a, a New Age gathering, and some of you who are familiar with our ministry know that God takes us to some really dark places to minister his love and his life and his light. And we had the privilege of ministering at a place called Mind, Body, Spirit over in London. And at this gathering, I see a woman coming from far away to our booth, and I can see that there is a very heavy spirit of depression on her. In fact, it, it feels like one of the heaviest spirits of depression I've ever encountered. And she comes in, she sits down in our booth, and uh, we were under the banner of Spirit Dream, and she said, well, I actually don't have a dream for you to interpret, um, but someone told me that you have the greatest light here at Mind, Body, Spirit, and that I could get help for what I need. So she sits down, and without me acknowledging it, she just starts to say, I'm struggling with depression, and I've struggled with depression for years. And um, in fact, I am, this is in her words, um, I struggle with depression so severely that I intend to kill myself in a few years. And she's no bones about it, just outright. And she said, my children are teenagers, and I know that I'm responsible for them, but in a few years when they're off to university, I will kill myself. And so I'm sitting here, and I'm like, Lord, that's darkness, and you don't want that. You want your light to pierce that darkness in her. How can we do that? And I just asked the Lord to lead the conversation, and she ends up confessing that she's gone to a past life regression therapist. And this past life regression therapist um, told her that in every past life that she'd ever had, that which obviously this is complete rubbish, right? We live only one life, okay? But he's saying to her, in every past life that she's ever lived, that she only knew peace. She only knew love. She had fantastic marriages. She had beautiful children. She had successful jobs. And therefore, in this life, all she was going to know was depression and suffering. And that as long as she made it through this life and passed the tests of this life, that in the next life, she would be happy again. Now, I'll be honest with you, what rose up in me was anger. <laughs> I was ticked at the enemy, and I just wanted to pounce on that thing, and I couldn't, <laughs> because the way that God pounces isn't the way that we pounce. The way that God pounces is he loves. So I'm asking Father, how do I, how do I bring your light? How do I bring your love? And he said, ask her why she's on a spiritual journey. So I do. Louise, why are you on a spiritual journey? And here's what she said, because I need hope. And I said, okay, so she had told me she was, had a Catholic background, and I said, so, so God, the God that you believe in, you're asking him to lead you on your spiritual journey, right? She said, yes, I have been. And I said, so you go to this past life regression therapist. Did you feel hope there? No. <laughs> what did you feel? Hopeless. And I said, so God, your Father in heaven, who you're asking to lead you in your spiritual journey, do you think he would lead you to someone who would impart to you hopelessness? No. And I said, do you think maybe you embraced something that wasn't of God? Yes. And we went through this precious time then. I said, do you maybe just want to talk to God about that? And here's what she said. 
God, I'm sorry that I allowed myself to embrace hopelessness. I'm sorry that I let what that man said to me become truth inside of me. And I know that's not you. Yeah, pretty awesome, isn't it? And then I said, so what's the truth? She said, God, you are the God of hope. You don't want me to be depressed in this lifetime. I receive you. I receive your hope in this place. And as we kept talking, I said, you know, I could feel that the darkness was leaving her, and I could see it. And I knew that when that happens, the scriptures say that if you don't fill the house, seven more are going to come back. So I said, would you like to be filled with the one who is perfect love in that place where you had that hopelessness and that depression? And she said, yes. So he imparted that. And she opens herself up, and she fill, she's just filled with the love of the Father in that moment. It was a precious, precious time. And here's what's happening. God, who is light, is dispelling darkness through our team. That's what's being made manifest just through a conversation. Now, how I know this was really real is that a year later, we're at the same gathering. Louise makes a beeline for our booth, happy as a clam, full of joy, She comes into our booth, and she said, I have not been depressed since that day. That is God's light dispelling darkness. God, who is eternal light, who we get to carry, his light spills out from us where we go. God is also the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of man. That's one of the the things he manifests. That is who he is. That's part of his nature. He is the, the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of man. So we're at another gathering, and there's a young woman. Her name is Anna. She comes. She sits in our booth. We're asking, Father God, God, what is it that would connect with her heart, that would open her up to hear you and to receive you? And I hear from God, talk to her about Anna from the Bible. Now, I don't know her background, so I don't want to start with that because I'm not sure if she values the Bible. So I'm like, okay, we'll get to that, but let me see if my friend has something else. So I turned to my friend, and I said, do you have anything for her? And she said, well, I do. I wouldn't normally start with it, but I do. And I said, well, go ahead. And so she looks at Anna, and she said, Anna, did you know that there's an Anna in the Bible? And I was like, okay, God, I got it. (laughs) That's where you want to start. I'm sorry. (laughs) Did you know there's an Anna in the Bible? And then she says this to young Anna. She said, this Anna was known for not only wanting to, but spending all the days of her life in the house of God. That's all she said. As she said that, Anna, who's in front of us, breaks down in tears, sobbing. And we just let her sit with that for a minute. I have no idea what's going on. When she's able to talk through sobbing tears, she says, all I've ever wanted is to be with God. All I've ever wanted is to believe. And then she tells us that she's raised in a home where mom has told her from the time she was little, 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 You may not believe in God. You may not speak the name of Jesus in this house. You may not ask to go to church. You may not spend time with your grandmother who is a Christian. You may not associate with people who are Christians. Her whole life, she said, you may not do this. Here's this young girl before us who desperately wants to know God. 
And so we start talking to her about how those words have power. And grandma's words had power. And so we asked her, would you stand in place of mom? Could I stand in place of grandma and just say sorry for all those things? And she's like, sure. So that exchange happens. After that happens, I said, would it be okay if I stand in place of mom now? And I just say to you, sorry for what mom said. And she said, yes. And so I start, I just ask Holy Spirit, fill me with the things I need to apologize for. And I just say all these things. I'm sorry for saying you couldn't believe in God. I am so sorry for not allowing you to believe in Jesus. I am so sorry for not singing the hunger of your heart to know God and blessing it. And as I start saying this, without me prompting Anna, she says, I forgive you, Mom. I forgive you, Mom. I forgive you, Mom. And then I start releasing the blessing of a mother over her to find God, to know God, to be with God. And as I'm doing this, I look at her bracelet, and it has the numbers 316. Yeah. (laughs) So I start speaking to her from John 316, and I explain to her that when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, he knew that Nicodemus was this righteous Jew, and that as a righteous Jew, he knew the oral law of the day, and that the oral law of the day taught that all of this life is a womb experience, and this life is really just preparing us for the next life, which is heaven. And so what I said to her, I said, Jesus was telling Nicodemus, you don't have to wait till you die to experience heaven. If you follow me, you believe in me, you will be born of the Spirit. You will taste heaven. You will live by heaven's principles. You will be filled with all of that. And she looks at me and she goes, that's what that verse means? And I said, that's what that verse means. And she said, well, you should tell some of those Christians that talk about that verse. They don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) Because all she's ever heard is that verse being quoted to tell her and others are going to hell. So we're talking to her now about Jesus and Jesus' invitation to be born of the Spirit, that she could be born of the Spirit now, that she could taste of heaven now. And as this is happening, I know that we could lead her in, the, in a prayer to Jesus. But before I do that, I just said, you know what, Anna? Do you know what's so amazing about God? God is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of man. And before the foundation of the world, he knew you. And he knew who your mother was going to be. And he knew what she would say to you. And he had her give you a name, Anna, that when it was given to you, literally was him bestowing on you, your inheritance is to be with God all the days of your life. And that came through your mother who doesn't want to know God. And she's weeping. And I said, and all that we've offered to you, this has all come from Jesus. That's who we're connecting with. Would you like to receive Jesus? And she says, yes. So my friend leads her in a prayer to Jesus. Now, her prayer was just, Jesus, would you come and would you lead me on my spiritual journey? Would you lead me to the place where, would you show me who Father is? Would you show me God? And I don't, you know, that to me, she's not yet at the place where she's acknowledged sin. I wouldn't call that a salvation, but let me tell you, she definitely is inviting the one in who can lead her to salvation. And I believe that he answered that prayer and that he is leading her on her spiritual journey. Okay, so those are two outreach stories. But also we have the awesome privilege as we grow close to him and as we become intimate with him 
There are other things that are revealed to us. And one of the most precious things that God's revealed to me is that he is the all-knowing one. He knows all the past. He knows all the present. He knows all the future. And in Isaiah 42, verse 8 to 9, he says this, I will not give my glory to another. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. One of the awesome things that God does is he will reveal the future to you and to me, and he does it to bring glory to himself. Now, I'm going to be 42 next week. Uh, my whole life, when I, if you asked me when I was 15 who I wanted to be, I would say I want to be a mother. I want to be married by the time I am 22. I want to have five children by the time I am 30. That was the plan. God had a different plan. And I had to wait a really long time for this precious man who's sitting here next to me. And I'm so glad that I did, but he was worth the wait. But in early 2009, um, excuse me, early 2010, I heard the Lord say to me, you'll be married before the end of next year. And when he said it to me, i got to be honest with you, it left me feeling really vulnerable because the grace had started to lift on being single. And I wasn't sure, was I really hearing God or was I hearing what I wanted? And so I, I really waited on that for a while. And I talked to people who I'm accountable to and who were pouring into my life. And, and as I felt that it was confirmed that God was indeed preparing me for marriage, I just started asking him questions. And I said, Father, you, if you're saying that I'm getting married next year, you know who my husband is. What would you like me to know about him? And the first thing he said to me was, he's not American. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I sit with that for a little bit. I wasn't expecting, to be honest with you, something like that. I was thinking he's tenderhearted. I was thinking, you know, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was not expecting he's not American. So after I settled with that for a little bit, I asked, well, Father, what else do you want me to know about him? And he said he has an accent. I said, well, what kind of accent? And he said, British. And I was like, freaked out because I'm thinking, there are only 60 million people in England, and I only get to see a fraction of them a couple times a year. And all of a sudden, it's feeling like statistically difficult for me to find my husband. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking, well, maybe God just means it's British-esque. So maybe he's South African. Maybe he's new from New Zealand. Maybe he's from Australia. And, uh, and so, I, you know, I journal this. Uh, friends of mine know about this. But I find myself in the middle of that summer talking to my sister. And I tell my sister that I felt God was preparing me for marriage. I'd be married by the end of the following year. And my sister looks at me. And my nickname's Nini. She goes, Nini, you can't get married next year. You're not even dating anyone. You need to date someone for at least a year. You need to be engaged for at least a year. You can't get married by the end of next year. So in my flesh, to put her at ease... I said, well, you know what? I'm older, and maybe we're both mature, and maybe we've just been friends for a long time, and it's someone that I know, and because it's someone that I know, then, you know, somehow it'll go fast. And as I'm saying this, I hear Father say to me, I didn't tell you that. <laughs> and he says, you don't know him, and it's going to be a suddenly. I met Ian on October 14th, 2010. We did not date on October 21st. Exactly a week later, we knew we were getting married. We had only spent a total of 22 hours together. We sorted out. It was a suddenly. <laughs> Two weeks before I met him, 
I wake up one morning, Father, what do you want to say to me today? That's how I like to start my day. And I hear him say one word, one name, Ian. I was like, well, what's that mean? Later on in the day, Father, what do you want to say to me? Ian. And all throughout two weeks, all throughout the day, Ian, 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 Ian. Doesn't tell me anything, just says his name, Ian, Ian. So I'm asking him, okay, do you want me to pray for an Ian? So I'm thinking, I know an Ian who's battling cancer, I'll pray for him. But I just know God's not really talking about him. So I'm thinking, what other Ian do I know? And I remember a boy that I used to go to, I was in second grade with. So I start praying for that Ian. And I know it's not that one. So I just start praying in general for an Ian I don't know. And two weeks later, I meet my Ian. This is a God who knows everything, all the past, all the present, all the future. And he reveals it to us for his glory. Now, I've told this story to my friends, non-believers, believers, and especially when I tell believing friends, they're like, how do you know that? And I said, I don't know it. He knows it. God is the all-knowing one, and Isaiah tells us that one of the ways he brings glory to himself is by revealing the future to us. And when we testify of that, we testify. Right now, I'm testifying he's the all-knowing one. He's the only one who knows that. And you and I have the honor of serving a God, loving a God, being sons and daughters of a God who wants to reveal things like this to us. And all of this comes from a place of rest, of just being with him, not striving, not trying to work at it, Just spending time with the one who created us, our amazing Father in heaven. I just want to repeat the place where I believe God wants to take us to is he's going to be releasing his love, Father's love, to sons and daughters so that we live not out of obligation, not doing things because we're supposed to do them, not doing things because it's what the hot thing is or the in thing is in church, or because we just went to a conference and got a momentary stirring up that eventually fades away. But we release the love of Father God because the intimacy of our relationship with him as his sons and daughters fills us with his spirit, saturates us with his love, assures us of our total acceptance in him, validates us in the depths of our being with our complete worthiness being found in him, sustains us with his peace, inspires us to love, infuses us with confidence, empowers us with boldness to speak what he is saying and to do what he is doing, to give us grace to leave the outcome of any ministry opportunity or encounter up to him and him alone and enables us to do all of this from a place of rest and with his love in our hearts for whomever we have the honor to minister to. And as we minister from this place, we will bear the likeness of our Father, the one who is perfect love. Romans 8.19 says this, For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God, you and I. You and I, 
John 17, 6-7 says, I have manifested your name to the men you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. And what Jesus is saying is he manifested Father's name everywhere he went, and he's going to enable us to do the same. And when that happens, as we manifest his name, they will know that all things that are given to us are from him. And it will be for his glory. Now, what I believe God would like to do today for ministry is to impart supernaturally grace for intimacy with him. Because I, along with most people, struggle with that sometimes for different reasons. Busyness of life, fear. I could name a whole slew of things that keep us from intimacy. And I believe God wants to impart supernaturally grace for intimacy with Father God. So whoever wants that, I want to invite you forward for prayer. Walt, would you please come up? Ian, would you please come up? Plenty of room. <laughs> We've been seeking God. How can we minister to so many people in just a few minutes? And It's not our normal style. Normally, we just take as long as it takes, and we haven't got that time. So God just really laid it on my heart to share this. Um, a while ago in the church I used to attend, at a small group, a lady who doesn't know she's prophetic and is quite insecure, was asked to lead a bit of the meeting, and she brought a bag of stickers with scripture references in and just invited everybody in the group to pick one out. And I picked one out, and it was Psalm 145, verse 18. So I stuck it on the front of my Bible, so every time I saw my Bible I could go in and read it. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. So it meant that I just read that and I read that and I read that till I really began to believe it. And then a few days later, it just dawned on me, my bank account number is 0014518 Anything Wow. So now every time I use this, it brings me back to that. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Wow. Don't you just love the way God talks? <laughs> it's like, and it just came to me this morning, just think about this. I mean, wow, I should have realized it before. What are you saying? Is we can bank on that. <laughs> you know, it's like... and just going further to the rest of Psalm 145 he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him he hears our cry and saves us he preserves us because we love him 
Our mouth shall speak the praise, shall speak his praise, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask, God, that you would supernaturally impart here today grace for intimacy with you. That you would pierce through whatever barriers we have to that. They are as unique as each individual is unique in this room, but you know what they are, Father. And we ask that your grace would pierce through that and would fill us, fill us with overflowing with that grace that each day we would step into intimacy with you. And I pray, Father, for those who don't yet feel like they hear you, I pray, God, that they would go leaps and bounds. I pray for those who hear you, that they would grow in their ability to hear you. I pray for clarity to be released in the name of Jesus, the clear hearing of the voice of Father God. And I pray, Father, for those places where we need to know your acceptance and your validation, that that grace would flow to each of those places and each person here today. I pray, Father, that you would move. This grace would would just flow into us so that we shift in whatever ways we are doing to being. I pray, Father, for a, a great grace to know who they are as sons and daughters of Father God who is perfect love. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Just another little thing. I just feel called to do this. I just want to pour these out. And if you want one, grab one. These are mustard seeds that he's pouring out. Woo, Looks like we won't have to call in the birds. It'll be taken care of right here. (laughs) Let me share something with you before you return to your seats. If you want to share a word with you. Last week, Sean was here. And he released a word out of Isaiah 43. Do you remember the word that was delivered to us last week? Isaiah 43, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it or perceive it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This week... We received this word this morning from Janine, just a few verses back, again in Isaiah, now in 42. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. There are times with the Lord that he shifts. There's a shift in our season. There's a shift. It's a defining moment for us.
where he's speaking to us very clearly about something that he's going to do, and he wants to release faith. Even though it's like a mustard seed, it'll move a mountain. He wants to release faith for us. Can you now see? He has released a word to us in this church. She didn't know about the word last week. She didn't know what Sean shared. And here this week, it's being delivered the same word. More things are going. I'm doing something new. Doing something new. All week, ever since last week, I have been saying, Father, what is that you want to release? What new thing do you want to release? One of those answers is this morning, a new, deeper intimacy with him. That's, that's one of the significant things he wants to do, a new thing, a deeper intimacy with him. So we got just a few minutes. I'd like to ask the worship team to lead us in that song again, Perfect Love. That's just where the Lord is speaking to us right now. The new thing, it casts out fear. It releases us into a new place of intimacy and trust, confidence with him. Let's sing that together.